Hey, what's up guys, Travis here. And if you've been following me or my story for any length of time, you know that I started a company called Guestio about a year and a half ago now. And one of the things that we are doing this year in 2022 is we're building a concierge program called the Fast Pass that allows you to get booked on top quality shows and platforms for the purpose of spreading awareness for your brand, grabbing attention, uh, growing your credibility, your authority, et cetera, et cetera. And so if you are listening to this right now and you are a seven figure plus entrepreneur and you have a budget to bring in traffic, attention, credibility, authority to your brand, then this might be a really great program for you. Just head over to travischapel.com slash 10K. Why 10K? Because we guarantee in this program that you're going to be able to speak in front of 10,000 people within 90 days. Okay, 10,000 people within 90 days. Imagine getting on a stage in front of 10,000 people to share your message, your story. That's exactly what we are doing inside of this program through virtual stages like podcasts or virtual events or YouTube channels or blogs. You name it, we are working with it, and we are trying to get you booked on those platforms. So travischapel.com slash 10x. There's a quick application there, and then right at the end of that application, it'll prompt you to set up a phone call where you'll jump on a call with me, and we'll talk through whether or not you're a great fit for this program. Please act fast on this. Do not wait because we are only taking on one or two clients a week due to uh, constraints with our team and the limited supply of high quality shows and platforms that are out there in the market. So if that's you and you're really wanting to explode your brand in 2022, head over to travischapel.com slash 10K, fill out the application, schedule a quick phone call, and you and I will chat really soon about whether or not this would be a great fit for you. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. You are listening to the Build Your Network podcast. If you're tired of the old way of networking, the business cards, the awkward conversations, and the aggressive pitches, but you know how crucial your network is to your success in life, then you're in the right place. Welcome to Build Your Network, the only top-rated show committed to helping you master content networking, foster real relationships, increase your authority, and build the network of your dreams. Listen in on conversations with world-class entrepreneurs, authors, thought leaders, and more as we deconstruct their best strategies for your success. So get ready to burn your business cards, ditch the name tag, and discover the new way to network with your host, Travis Chappell. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Build Your Network. I am your host, Travis Chapel, and today I'm sitting down with the one and only John Vitti. John is the CEO and founder of Versus Game. If you haven't heard of it, you will soon. Uh, he's an entrepreneur that's on a mission to create a fair world where everyone can prosper off of their knowledge, and he believes that knowledge should be rewarded. And he found a super interesting, unique way to do that, and I can't wait to jump into uh, kind of their ideation phase, and now they're just exploding and they're everywhere. And so uh, if you haven't heard of it yet, now you have, and now you're going to see it all over the place. So John, what's up, man? Thanks so much for taking the time. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Travis. I appreciate you inviting me on here. And by the way, I have to now mention you have like a super smooth butter voice, my friend. <laughs> That's <laughs> hey, a nice thanks, voice. Dude. You know, what's funny is when I started podcasting, you know, I, I listened to myself back for the first time okay. and I immediately cringed. I was just like, ah, oh, I don't really? like the sound of my own voice. You know, I think it's just something that happens to everybody. Yeah. Um, but I, I, what I had, what happened was I looked at other people whose podcasts I listened to and I listened to their voices and I was like, well, you know, if they can do it, <laughs> so, you're good. Yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, man, I appreciate voiceover that. work there too, man. <laughs> What's that? You can do some voiceover work, you know, in the industry. Yeah. You know what? Why not? 
why not give it a shot? Yeah, yeah. make a little bit of extra side cash there. Get yeah. into animated movies or something. I feel like I should lower my voice now and just kind of, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Well, listen, bro, I appreciate taking the time. I want to be respectful and uh, <laughs> jump right in, build some context for everybody listening. Uh, if anybody's not heard of John Vitti or, or Versus Game, I want to make sure that they know you now. So let's rewind the clock, go back in time, talk about 11, 12-year-old John Vitti. Set the scene for us. What was it like growing up being you? Uh, okay. So I'm like a little chubby kid. My parents, uh, fed me a lot cause they're all about food. Cause they were born and raised in Italy, uh, on a farm in Italy. So like no oh, wow. water, no electricity. So I've seen both sides of it. Uh, and I'm grateful for everything. <clears throat> and <clears throat> I guess back at that age, that was the time when my, this is kind of jumping right into it, but this is a time where my, I saw my dad kind of in and out of work a lot. And, you know, uh, I just, I, I didn't recognize it then, but later on, I like, you know, reflection that happens throughout your old wise years of living, you kind of feel like, oh, that would affected me greatly. Cause I can't go work for other people. I can't have, like, he was never in control of his destiny. Yeah. So I really need to be able to just, I don't know, be a control freak or something. I just can't let the, uh, let my fate be, uh, up to somebody else. I don't know if that's too deep, but I'm no, dude, that, I mean, that's, that's exactly what we're kind of, you asked the 11 year old John, that's what I'm doing. Yeah. So, yeah. Where, where, where were you guys living at the time? Uh, at the time, Boston, Massachusetts. Okay. Gotcha. But straight up from Italy though. Uh, absolutely. Yep. Okay. So your, so your parents came over to the States when you were a kid or before you were born? Oh no. So they came over before I was born. They grew up there and then they came over here and had me in Boston. So I'm first generation, you know, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. Got it. So was there any expectations on you growing up in terms of what your parents wanted for you? I find a lot of times with immigrant families, there's kind of like, look, we took the risk of putting everything on the line and moving to a new country. And like, we did this for you so that you can have a leg up on what we had go do something with it. Did you ever feel any, that type of kind of pressure or that, you know, pulling you in a certain direction? A hundred percent for my older brother and older sister. I was a mistake and they were <laughs> it's all good. It's to all good it, to put it kindly. Yeah. Real talk. You know, I get it. <laughs> Mistakes happen, mom and dad. No. So That's yeah. True. And so the third, like they had high expect, they had high expectations for my brother and sister. They went to great schools. A pluses, never got an A minus like amazing. And for me, <clears throat> I had to like fend for myself, always try to like do more to impress and I had to compete. So for the third, as the third last kid, you know, you're like the rebel, the renegade, and they kind of like, whatever, hope, hope he survives type of thing. And I, and that really propelled me to be where I am and hyper competitive. Mm. I'm I'm glad I was in last place because it's, it's interesting now. So yeah. Well, it's what kind of fueled you to not be there anymore. Right. Oh yeah. I always knew from a young age, the the game was to get out of Boston. Mm. Yeah. College, no college. Yeah, I went to, um, my parents didn't, but I went to university. I went to Seton Hall University um, in Newark, New Jersey, Brick City. Okay. Yeah. What'd you go for? And, uh, business management. And then the day after I graduated, um, I bought a one-way ticket to San Francisco and I had a little red bag. Never looked back. I fell in love with California. All of it. It's great. What are your thoughts on school in general as a whole? <clears throat> oh yeah. If you're, I think, uh, so like, Later on in life, I actually want to start a school or figure out some education for people because I think it's all bullshit. I think it's a dramatic waste of time and money, unless you're going to be a doctor or a lawyer, go for, you got to go and learn, you know, Uh, but the only way to learn, even in, even in medical, right. 
if I had a doctor like, Hey, John, you're going to get a surgery. And as a doctor, that's like, I just read a lot of books. I've read the most books ever. I got a pluses versus another doctor is like, yeah, I went to school and I operate on hundred people. I'm going with that guy. Yeah. Right. But the only way to learn in our business and our field and in most fields is you just got to go and do it, put down the paper and pencil and just go and do it. So agree with that, man. It seems like, it seems like there's going to be a big shift probably in the next, you know, decade, two decades, three decades of, of, of more apprenticeship type yeah. programs that are popping up, like where you actually get to go do the thing instead of sitting in a classroom. And, learn, and especially now, and then there's the speed of innovation nowadays, like you, like what you learn in your sophomore year, by the time you graduate oh. your senior year is already done. It's outdated. It's not even relevant anymore. You know what I mean? Like you got to get a pulse on what that. you're doing. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you get, so you get out there, fail. And the, I think there's a direct correlation to the more you fail, the more you succeed. So you can't have yeah. one without the other. Exactly. So that whole exactly. thing of like, oh, I'm scared of failure. And well, then it, well, you're scared well, of success. It, it, school conditions you to be afraid of failure because it pushes the people, like it rewards you for not failing. You know what I'm saying? Like school rewards you for being successful. Like if you fail, then you don't make it to those higher levels of school. And so I think what happens is a lot of people, a lot of kids that have never experienced anything besides school come out of school and they get hit with a big helping of failure. And it's like, Whoa, what is this? I was not expecting this. Like I was told that if I went to school, I got good grades and I got into a good school, you know, college, then I can, I can get this and then I can get good grades here. And then I get into a good, you know, graduate program and I get, and then I, and then I leave and then I get a good job and I get a good salary and I get security and comfortable and I'm and, and, and comfort and all the things that come along with it. And then, and then, like you said, you know, like if you, if you want to, if you want to be a real success, meaning like you want to have breakout success and you don't want to just kind of skate by your whole life, then you're going to have to take some shots on goal and you're probably going to miss a fair amount of them before you hit one. hundred percent. You got to learn on, on the way. I almost failed at a college twice mm. and now I'm hiring people from MIT, Harvard, Oxford. Yep. Yep. Uh, that's, that's the bottom line right there, man, is like it conditions yeah. people to get used to success and, and not know what it feels like to fail and move forward. And, and like you said, it's not, it's not a like if, that's the, I think the thing that's difficult people to wrap their minds around. It's not a, if you fail, it's literally the price of admission. Like you will not get to where you want to go without multiple failures along the way. Let's, let's mess with this for a second. Let's talk with this. So it's not, if it's not even when it can't be, it has to be both of those. Is it how you feel fail though? Like how you fail. Mm. That's important, right? Sure. Sure. Yeah. In terms of mission, it's like, but how you do it. Yeah. Like how you you come out of it. You're saying like how, yeah. How you learn, how you grow, how you get back up on the horse and try again type of a thing. Yeah. Yeah. What do you do with the failure? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And again, I think that's, I think that's one of the issues with school. I'm not here to, you know, talk shit on school all day. Like I think that has a lot of really great things. And I, I think that, you know, I'm the, I'm the networking guy, right? My show is called build your network. And I think a lot, it's especially good schools, could potentially be worth paying the pre- the the tuition cost just for the network that you get from going to those types of schools, um, but it, but uh-huh. there's a lot of issues with it, and I think that's one of those things is that it it programs you to av- try to avoid failure, and if you really want to succeed in a big way in life, and like I said, have that breakout success that's um, that's beyond mediocrity. You, I mean, you're, you're going to fail and you're probably going to fail a good amount and you got to wrap your mind around that as soon as possible. If you're going to be able to, like you said, fail gracefully into the next, you know, potential success. Yeah. I was a really like shy kid. And then I started talking to people like on the phone, like, and just hearing them and just still looking a loser though. But I learned how to 
listen. And that was like my biggest school was mm-hmm. like talking or talking to people like yeah. chit chat on the phone. My mom, emotional intelligence, phone, Johnny. Yeah. Like situational awareness, all that kind of stuff. Sure. That, that helped that like translated later on to like, how did I network and how to sell? You know what I mean? Yeah. No, so totally, totally. Learning human man. behavior. Yeah. I went to four years of college. I mean, college, it was an unaccredited uh, ministerial college. So I graduated with a degree in Bible and church ministries, double majored in those two things. And it was unaccredited. So it was mostly useless <laughs> by the time I was done. Uh, but awesome. during that time, fun. yeah, go ahead. I was gonna say during that time I did door to door sales all throughout yeah. college. And then post-college when I figured out I didn't gonna, I wasn't gonna do anything with my degree. That was all I had to fall back on. So I did door to door for another three or four years. And to your point, what you're saying about those phone calls, like that was kind of the same thing for me is I learned more by going door to door than I learned in all of my time in college because you learn emotional intelligence, you learn sales, you learn how to build relationships, you learn how to read, uh, you, you learn how to read body language and tonality instead of listening to people's words, which is the majority of our communication as, as humans. So um, there's a lot, there's a lot to be said for that hands-on in the trenches experience rather than just reading about it in a book. And you, yes. And you learn how to get your ego destroyed. Oh, totally. Which is so important. I think, <laughs> yeah. so I think there's sales, there's humans and everything, which means there's sales and everything. We want to, Hey, I want you to try this, do this. Hey, like, let's go, let's go to this movie. Like whatever. It doesn't matter. Sure. It's a, a form, like the main ingredients are the same thing. Yep. <clears throat> and, and so if everyone did like one month of door to door, sales or call cold calling sales, they would learn so much and they would, we would be like kinder to each other even. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. No, totally. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that, that was one of the craziest things I'll, I'll never forget, like going door to door for the first like couple of months that I was doing it and just thinking like the people would literally open their door, see that it was a door to door person and then close their door immediately before I could even get my name out. And it was always mind blowing to me. I was just like, you're so closed off to mm-hmm any potential opportunity just because of the context in which you're learning of the opportunity. Yeah. Like I could be bringing you a fantastic idea that directly benefits you and is yeah. a great deal beyond anything that you're going to get by shopping it out online or looking at materials somewhere, but you close the door in my face because you're just simply not open to hearing another human being's perspective on something that you, you know, don't want to hear about. And obviously there's other, you know, situations that, you know, they could have just been out the door or whatever, but yeah, it was always crazy to me. And it gave, to your point, gave me a much higher uh, range of empathy uh, to, to try to at least understand what people are going through and be willing to hear what people are saying. You know, now, anytime anybody knocks on my door, man, I open the door. When I get a cold call, I'm like, let's hear it. Yep. Exactly. I'm into exactly. it. And I'm like, no, it doesn't work. But like, at least I want to, I want to hear, I want to learn. Yeah, sure. You know? Sure. Well, anyway, I, I want to get back into your story here. So, so you're, you go to college, you're done with college. Uh, give us kind of 30,000 foot view timeline on what happens in between the time you go to college and now with versus game, what you've been working on recently. Okay. I jumped into, uh, I had like about f- five jobs. The, uh, and then uh, basically uh, the main gig was I was um, selling for um, doing sales and some BD and some marketing for a company called Proofpoint. It was like an anti-spam company. It was a okay. you know, SaaS yeah. type business. And I was doing well, well there. I won the spiffs all the time, won a TV speakers, all that, like DVD player back in the day, you know, that kind of thing. And, um, but I had, I was young and stupid, had a big ego. I thought I could do things better and differently. The hallmarks of an entrepreneur, right? Mm, <laughs> all yeah. that, that rebel stuff that, came from my youth. And, uh, so I jumped out on my own and I started four companies before versus game. The 
first two failed miserably and I wouldn't change a thing. The last mm-hmm. two I successfully exited and it, it was just an awesome experience. And it all was a dotted line to this thing. I've had this idea for about 15 years. So with the first two companies that you said were failures, wh- how, how long was the duration of working on both of those companies from the first time you started the first company until <clears> the time the second company was done? Uh, both were under a year. So it was okay. a quick, like so a couple um, of years that you were working on quote unquote failing. Yeah. Yeah. I was yeah. working on how to fail. Yeah. Yeah. What'd you learn in that process? Oh, timing is everything. It'll go on my tombstone. And then the people are the biggest asset you have without mm. the people is, is so important. This episode of the show is brought to you by Indeed. We are driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is not to search at all. It's to match and match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need this platform, guys. I'm telling you, Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work and use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging candidates so you can connect with those people even faster. And it doesn't just help you hire faster. In fact, 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And look, guys, one of the things that I wish I would have used Indeed for is this matching service. You can search and search and search and search and search all day long, but to actually be presented with quality candidates, like 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 hiring a, a recruiter for you that's presenting people that has actually done the work to vet them and uh, bring quality people in front of you, that work by itself is uh, the fact that it's done by a software instead of like a team of high quality recruiters is is pretty insane. So they leverage over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day, which is why Indeed's matching engine is the best one that you can use. It's constantly learning from your own preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets at doing the job for you. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility over at indeed.com slash Travis. Just go to indeed.com slash Travis right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed here on the podcast. Indeed.com slash Travis. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. I love it. I mean, th- this is a show about networking and relationships. So anytime I hear something like that, you have my full attention that people are everything and uh, your your relationships and the people in your inner circle are you know, a lot of times going to be the difference between success and failure. And really, especially in a startup culture, having that core team of people that are competent and know what they're doing. So, uh, so, so this one's obviously mind blowing success. And we'll get into some of those numbers here in a second, but uh, pre versus game talk, talk about that, uh, that next company really like kind of in terms of being an entrepreneur, that exit, that craving that exit, you know, you, you got, to accomplish that. You got that feeling. You got that, you know, hey, this was an idea in my brain. We built out a product. We took it to market. And then we actually successfully handed that over to somebody else. And I got a big check because of it. Uh, talk us through that process. What was that company? Yeah, it sucked. It was stressful. It was awesome. And all of the things. 
it, you know, it was one of our clients. Uh, the company was an, uh, the last one was a sales automation company. We were augmenting sales teams, large sales teams that were in like Google, Microsoft, Facebook, Yellow Pages, Yahoo. They had, they were going after the SMB market, like selling web products and advertising, you know, small stuff that didn't pencil out financially if you put a human on it. And that actually came from my company before when I was like an SMB. It was a clothing company, it was consumer. And so we were all over the world, but it was like, we were getting called on and, you know, it was, it was just like, well, there's gotta be a better way to serve these, this market. Mm. Uh, so that's why I started that, that, that fourth company. Um, so it's all, it's all from. So, so essentially a phone sales agency. Except, yeah, except there was no phone. It was all email actually. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. So it was all a, like a lot of AI and email and automating what good sales reps should be doing, but all through, you know, Hey, it's on your time. Not on well, my time, which means that's a phone call. It's whenever you get your email. Check it gotcha. out. Gotcha. Nice. That's awesome. So uh, timeline on exit, like from no. from the time from the time that not not necessarily from the time you started the company, but I'm just curious on like oh. from the time that you were like, oh, we got an offer, or we're looking for an exit. Just you know, how did that whole uh, exit process go for you? Oh, okay. Uh, that was a little under a year, almost a year. Okay. Uh, so it's a long process. It was with a client, like a customer. And relationships started building and then some kind of whispers grew into like, are you serious? And like that kind of thing, like, Hey, let's talk. And then, then the lawyers came in and that's like a half a year right there. And then, yeah. So that was kind of it. Any big lessons you took away from that? Yeah. Well, from that one experience or for the company? Yeah. From the exit, specifically <laughs> from the exit. Like, was there anything that you're doing now as like another founder of a new company that you were like, Oh, I wish I would have. I wish I would have set this process up better from the beginning or like, Oh, yeah. we lost, we lost a, maybe a multiple on our valuation because of this thing that we didn't do. And we could have gotten a better, like anything like that, that came through that, that exit process. Yeah. Yeah. When you say set up from the beginning, yeah. I hated VCs after that. Never wanted to work with a VC again because really? yeah. Um, because they, it was, you know, everyone has their story, right. Sure. And I have mine as my perspective and it's my, it's a, everyone has their taste in their mouth. Right. And, you know, and from the beginning, like there, I was this guy, you know, this from Boston and Silicon Valley. And I was doing from consumer, like consumer business to like hardcore tech B2B SaaS. And like, who's this guy? So it was really hard for me to raise that first million. Hmm. The deal structure from the beginning was I was always basically on my trying to dig out from that hole of how much I owned and the valuation and all that kind of stuff. And I'm grateful for all of it. Trust yeah. me. Yeah, but I was going to say, when you look back on that, sorry to interrupt you, when you look back on that, you know, a lot of that kind of talking about price of admission before some of that's like, well, if I were that investor at that point in time, I probably would have only invested if I got that type of a deal structure as well. Like, is it something that you look back on like that? But then moving forward, it's like, now that I have an exit behind me, I'm never doing something like that again. Yeah, no, I don't hate, I respect the game. I yeah. was just a rookie at it. Right. Sure. And I'm just at it. Um, and, but yeah, and yeah, for sure. And then now I, I stayed away from uh, VCs up until now. And my awesome investors that built everything that we're on and doing and hearing and seeing and, you know, whatever consuming, like changed the game. They're like, John, you should talk to these VCs because some of them are actually good. It's not about the VC. It's about the person inside the VC firm. Yeah. And so it's about the people. Once again, always comes back to the people. Uh, so so I love, game. I love some VCs. <laughs> yeah, sure. Sure. Yeah. No, it's not, you know, a lot of times blanket statements aren't always blanket statements. Yeah, no, I totally yeah. get that. So, so versus game, uh, where, when, why? 
Okay, so it started, it launched three and a half, almost four years ago now, three and a half years ago. The why is a few reasons. One, it came ultimately like the real crux of it is, is like there's this dichotomy of haves and have nots and the inclusive and exclusive. And hey, you can't get into Google, it's too late. And Tesla and Bitcoin, why aren't you in this? And Facebook back in the day, right? And we're the ones consuming all these products, services, and apps. We're the ones that love Tesla and Cardi B and talk about podcasts and share with their friends. We consume so much content all day long, right? We naturally form opinions and predictions off of that. It's that reptilian primal part of our brain. We can't stop. It's fun. But when was the last time you were listening to your favorite podcast or new Drake song on Spotify? And you're like, this song's awesome. It's going to be a huge hit. I love it, right? And you made some money off that. You were rewarded for that. Probably never. So our mission is simple. Knowledge should be rewarded. We want to put real money in real people's pockets. This is for the people and now literally by the people. So that was the main crux of it. Like, oh, John, like too late for this. And everyone's talking, this restaurant sucks. This movie's going to be awesome. This app is awesome. But we can't get in on the action. So, so it's essentially like for just to kind of put it into terms that all of us can kind of wrap our minds around. It's like, kind of sports betting, but on anything. Like you can yeah. bet on the success of a song or bet on the success of a company or bet on the success of a product that you like using or something like that. Yeah, kind of. We're not betting, but yeah, people put it like this, like Coinbase meets, meets TikTok or Robinhood, but for everything. And the difference is you're not buying securities. You're just basically buying uh, the potential outcome, like the event. Interesting. How do you set up the the, the, the structure? Like how, how, do you, how do you make sure that you know, when you're first getting something like that off the ground, you have to have some initial users that are actually making some bets and winning some money, right? Like how, how did you kind of navigate that when you can literally put money on anything? Oh yeah. Well, at first, uh, you know, we pivoted, right? So at first it was like this fantasy game sort of where you put together like Zuckerberg and Elon Musk and Sergey and Larry together in one team and whatever their index does. You know, oh, interesting. People, okay. Yeah. People are like, nah, that's stupid. It's not, <laughs> it's not, it's not how their brain works. Yeah. And then I was like, you know, I don't want to create a new human behavior. I want to tap into something that people are already doing. Like, this is already your habit. You just, you think in a binary world, this versus that, yes versus no, is this going to happen or not? Right. This, you don't think about odds. Like, I love this TV show. This guy's going to die on Squid Games. What are the odds of this happening? It's not how your brain thinks. Right. Um, so we want to be a really natural thing. And, uh, so we pivoted and turned it into this. And then ultimately we, then one of our investors, Roblox was like, you got to build a self-serve model and get out of your own way. Cause it's a user generated, you know, a world, right. UGC is really important, create the trends, create the content and let them get a piece of the action too. Um, so that's, was a big inflection point for us as well, about a year ago. About so that's, that's kind of like the path. So talk to us a little bit, uh, whatever numbers you can disclose. I'd love to hear those. Like, you know, in terms of growth, users, those, those types of things. Oh yeah. Um, so we've been on about 20% month over month growth rate. We are at 22 million users now, which is awesome. really excited. Yeah, no kidding. We hear the term product market fit, uh, especially being in the software world, being thrown around all the time. Can you give me kind of your definition of that and when you feel that your company achieved that because of 22 million users you obviously have? Yeah, I remember, I know exactly when we achieved this is when uh, we changed something and a, a lot of people got real pissed off. <laughs> <laughs> now you have emotion. When you have emotion, they're they're into it. Yeah. You know, if, if, if somebody doesn't care, 
they're, you know, if they love it or hate it, it's the emotion. You know what I mean? And that's when I was like, oh, people are paying attention. People are listening. Hmm. You but make that vanilla was like, moves, you get vanilla responses, right? What was that? You make vanilla moves, you get vanilla responses. Like you, you, you know, know what? Like, so there's this thing I want to start doing on, around my house on the walls. I want to put up like sentences, phrases that like are just art. Like people don't understand that what you say is also art because it creates this whole thing, this whole world. Like a, a, an idea is the biggest thing in the world, right? Yeah. And you start by talking about it, but no one puts that on walls as art. That's art. And that, my friend, I was going up on the wall. I love it. <laughs> going up on the wall. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But you yeah. know, you're absolutely right. And now that's a soft signal. But then we look at like the, the KPIs and like, okay, people are playing more, the retention rates more, we're becoming harder, their lifestyle. But that soft signal was the one that like got me the most excited. Got it. So, and that was about a year ago, you said? Uh, well, no. Oh, uh, that, that signal of them being like, what the hell was probably like five, six months ago. Oh, made, okay. Gotcha. Turn changed and they were like, the hell? Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. So like, like when you were first acquiring users, were you spending to get those users? Was this word of mouth? Was it kind of product led? Uh, a little bit of everything. We're like, you know, talking to our friends, Hey, check this out. And friends of friends and try to motivate people and incentivize people to check it out. And then we started buying users through, you know, ads, stuff like that. Okay. Gotcha. Now it's more product led because it's more word of mouth. Well, that's kind of that product market fit magic, right? Yeah. It's like when the, when the product goes beyond your, um, projections almost. Yeah. I'm just thinking I, about, I'm just thinking about that phrase you said. I'm like, <laughs> about this. I'm dead serious. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, I, I should connect you to a buddy of mine, uh, Mark, he, they run a company called iconic and they do kind of visual, uh, canvas art with like motivational phrases and they do like partnerships and deals, uh, licensing deals with like Tom Billu and Gary Vaynerchuk and, um, Damon John and people like that to like, you know, put their phrases up in cool art and, and canvases on people's walls and stuff. So I should put you in touch please, with them. Please. Yeah. Yeah. Well, listen, man, I know we're coming up on time here. I want to be respectful of your time. I got to ask you this one question because it's kind of a staple question here on the show. We've had hundreds of people answer it. Uh, maybe one day I'll write a book about it. Maybe not. We'll see. But uh, who you know or what you know, John, who you know or what you know, which of those do you view as the most important asset in life and why? You should totally write a book on that. First of all, definitely write that book. It's 100% who you know. How are you going to do something by yourself? Mm, yeah. Yeah. To me, it's just that all encompassing idea. It's the people that the people that you look up to is the best source of learning, in my opinion. Uh, you know, if you can hang out with the author of your favorite book for a year, like that's way more valuable than reading the book to me. Cool. The connection points that you get, the ripple effects that happen. Uh, but then really at the end of the day, all we have is the people in our lives. You know what I mean? Like when I'm sitting, I'm, when I'm, when I'm laying on my deathbed, it's not going to be, I wish I would have learned no. more things. It was going to be, I wish I would have spent more time with the people that are, that mean the most to me. And to me, that's, that's what always kind of, even if it's close, even if somebody can convince me that it's who, you know, what, you know, they're very close, they're neck and neck that always tips the scale and the, who, you know, all the deathbed. It's, like, it's, 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 it's all question. I got, man. It's all I got at the, at, at my core. I am who I know. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, And we're a tribe. We want to feel connected. We want to feel a part of the community. Yeah. Yeah. Totally agree, man. So uh, what, what's, what's next for you, bro? Where, where can people go connect with you? Uh, versus game on Instagram or check out our LinkedIn. And, and also you check out the app versus game. Um, but yeah, we're, for us, it's just integrating with some really cool partners, creating some really cool experiential moments, uh, just 
trying to do, trying to put more money in more people's pockets. Some cool content pieces coming up, I heard as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be fun. Yeah. Awesome. Well, those of you listening, keep your eyes on the horizon and uh, be sure to, you know, turn your Google notifications on for versus game. They're doing some crazy, crazy stuff right now, growing like uh, just insane amount of growth that's happening. Get on there and uh, see if you can win yourself a little bit of money. Uh, John, thanks so much for coming on the show today, brother. This is a fantastic chat and I'm sure we'll be uh, having some more conversations like this in the future. Thanks, Travis. Appreciate you. That's it for this episode. If you want to connect with Travis and other like-minded people who also listen to the show, then you're going to want to head over to travischapelcom slash group to join his free Facebook group, Podcast to Profit. Travis will see you there. And remember to leave every relationship better than you found it. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.